When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis and discussion. My name is Kyle Loomis, editor-in-chief of the E2C Network, and it's time to discuss another Auburn Tigers win, and this one is just oh-so-special because it is one that we have achieved in the Iron Bowl of Basketball, as much as people hate to hear that, but it is what it is, the Iron Bowl of Basketball. The Tigers take down the Crimson Tide by the score of 84-63, to pushing Auburn's overall record up to 15-6 and and their SEC record at 500, 4 and 4 on the year. We're going to talk about all the news, the events, the good things from this game. To do that, I have brought in my friend, co host, and owner operator of the Auburn Uniform Database, Mr. Clint Richardson. Let's go, Clint, to get hyped. Gosh, I love whooping up on Alabama's butt. Clint, when we like got on the call tonight, he could not even wait to start cheering. That's how happy this man is right now. <laughs> this is a Clint Richardson in rare form tonight. I love kicking Bama's butt and to just do it in this fashion was so much fun like it this game was probably right below the Clemson national championship game just in watching Bama suffer so much it's always so much fun they really did just suffer through this. They didn't have any life whatsoever. There was kind of a moment to begin the second half where they kind of started pushing towards a run. But then, I mean, Auburn just hit them square in the mouth again and said, not today. This is not your house, and you do not belong on this court. And they made sure the Tide knew what was <laughs> what was what in this game tonight. And it's a clear difference, I think, in terms of the two programs, which both have very talented players. And I will give credit. And I, I like Avery Johnson as a coach. I think he's a good coach. I just think he picked the wrong program. Thus, we're going to give him I a think, little. I think they should hold on to him forever. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, it's kind of like the Bama fans like to say to us about football. They want us to hold on to Gus forever. And I'm like, I'm fine with that. I know that's a discussion we can have on a different podcast. Uh, so we'll leave that one there. But this is an exciting game to talk about. Lots of cool stats and storylines. But let me kind of bring the fun part of it uh, down a little bit. And But let's talk about... Jeez, Kyle. It's not a, it's not fun to talk about this, but it's important. And we talk about this every single year for whatever game this falls on. This is the outlive cancer game for the Auburn Tigers. If you haven't been following Coach Bruce Pearl's career since his time at Tennessee or one of his players... Um, got the horrible, terrible, disgusting disease that is cancer and survived it. He has made it his mission to make sure no one goes without hearing their need to go get themselves checked out, to take care of those that are in need, that are going through this, whether it be the person suffering from the disease or the people that are affected by it most directly. And that just means the family members and the friends 
as well because they hurt just as much in, in different ways than the person actually dealing with the disease. I admire and honor Coach Bruce Pearl for what he's done for this program between the lines of a basketball court, but I love him more and I love him the most because of what he does because of this initiative that he pushes. It has a special connection with me. I mentioned it before. My father passed away from cancer. I've had other uh, family members be affected by cancer as well. So this rings true with me. And every single year, no matter what team it is, this game just means more to me. And I'm sure on some level to you, it does as well, Clint. Absolutely. And, you know, what makes Bruce Pearl's Outlive initiative so special is that this money doesn't go to um, cancer research. Bruce Pearl isn't helping cure cancer. There's so many great organizations that do that, that if that's where you want your money to go, go for it. Nobody's going to fault you for that. Bruce Pearl is here to help families pay their bills while they go through these treatments. And they <clears throat> hand out money to pay for rent and car payments. And Bruce has said it week in and week out this year of sometimes you just don't feel good enough to go to work the next day after a chemo treatment. And when people had to do these things multiple times a week, sometimes even daily, I imagine, that, that can take a toll and financially. And that's just another way that, you know, that's another fight in this bigger fight. So to help somebody one way, whether it's medication, to sit with them in the hospital, to watch their children, to pay their bills, whatever it is. Those are all different ways that we can help fight this terrible, terrible disease. And hopefully one day in our lifetime, we never had to hear that C word again. And this is the level to which this is so important to Coach Bruce Pearl, not just about making this game about this initiative, not just about producing T-shirts where all the profits go to support this foundation, to support the families that are going through this terrible disease. He spends the entire week promoting this, whether it's him. Oh, longer than a week. Even more than that. Yeah, you're talking right. Talking this one up for weeks. But you see the other assistant coaches, Coach Wes Flanagan, Stephen Pearl, Chad Pruitt. I think I even saw some players. They're holding up the names of victims of the disease and those affected by it on social media to remind you guys of how closely it can hit the home. And I just think not only is this such a good thing for us as a fan base to be reminded of and to be involved with, but I think for our players, ultimately, we talked a lot about their Italy trip or European trip, I guess, a couple of seasons ago how much that meant to the players and getting them some culture, but giving them something like this to latch on to, to be a part of that's more than themselves and more than that orange basketball, I think will go a long way in their lives into making them not just great basketball players, but better men. And I applaud. Well, they, they always up the outlive game in so many different ways. And this season, um, I think there were 1200 t-shirts laid out for students and, it's always great to be able to get a free T-shirt and for one to be so special and, and honestly well-made like these uh, just goes a long way in knowing that these will be worn around campus. And Coach Pearl makes an effort to spot them out and go talk to the student or anybody who is wearing it when he sees them. And on top of the T-shirts in the, in the jungle this year were those same placards that, you know, they were the same style of the Liz Strong or the strikeout cancer that baseball has done where it's, you know, there's a bots to write somebody's name, somebody that you're supporting. And I saw a lot of those. I saw a lot of um, 
other we we talk about Auburn sports being really interconnected these days and Auburn baseball coaches, Auburn softball coaches, um, Karen Hoppe, the soccer coach, the golf team. You see almost every single sport on campus supporting Outlive one way or another. And it's just such a cool thing to see. And my one thing that I can say to Coach Pearl, his staff, and this team is just thank you. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. And I'm sure from the rest of us in the Auburn family as well. Let's get on to talking about this amazing win to accompany this great uh, thing that we just had to talk about tonight with the Outlive Cancer uh, Movement. But in this game, I mean, you can kind of pick your poison, Clint. Do you want to talk about the amazing offense, the amazing defense, the atmosphere, the amazing just plays by Horace Spencer? I mean, you just, you know what? You take over the show tonight. I'm just going to sit back. What do you want to talk about first? Oh, geez. You can't do that to me. You're in the well, I, think you just, I think you just hit on everything. This game, was it perfect? Auburn got a little slow out of the gates, but still scored 48 points in the first half. And at a point, I honestly thought that this could very well be um, a repeat of the 1998 94-40 victory that Auburn had in Beardy's Memorial Coliseum. And unfortunately, it didn't end up that way. I would have loved to see that. But Auburn came out hot after a couple of timeouts early in the first half. Every single Tiger who hit the court, except for the last, what was it, 0.1 of a second, um, made a basket. And every single Tiger contributed. Bryce Brown comes out here with 23 points. And get this, Kyle. He had a plus minus of plus 30. Mm. I don't know the last time. I don't know if we'll ever see that one again. See, you're a natural at this, man. You just carried the show right now. No, uh, don't, don't, don't do that to me. (laughs) It doesn't, it didn't work in baseball. Remember? Uh, well, you know, that's a debate for another day, but, uh, I do agree with you with everything you just said there. I mean, we can lump all these things together and it's awesome, but we can break them down and talk about them individually, and it, they're just as awesome. I mean, there is very little to be upset with here. Like you said, a, a little bit of a slow start, allowing an Alabama team maybe a little bit of a room for a run to start the second half. But this is about as co- close to a complete game as we've had in quite some time, and it's much needed during the tumultuous time without Austin Wiley. The questions about the legitimacy of this program and where they're going to fit into the postseason pitcher those questions, I think, were silenced tonight, at least for now, with the good feel behind the Outlive Cancer story, the good feel behind this win. So exciting. I, I, I'm i really at a loss for words and really what I want. I, my mind keeps jumping from where I want to go. But let's just start here. This Alabama team just looked shocked tonight that they ran into a juggernaut of sorts. And you think they would prepare themselves a little bit better, especially when your coach does a certain thing in practice to prep. Why don't you talk about that? Well, it came out this week that um, Avery Johnson, the shortest coach in the league. (laughs) Don't do that um, to him. (laughs) (laughs) But Alabama was pumping in crowd noise at their practices. Now, that's nothing, you know, too crazy. They knew what the jungle and Auburn Arena were going to bring. But an offhanded comment by Coach Johnson in the sense of, we don't want to hear any bad words when we go over there, probably... You know, those are the kind of words, those are the kind of things that light a fire under an opposing team and an opposing team's crowd. 
I don't know about you, but I got a huge kick out of the jungle chanting daddy's boy <laughs> at Avery Jr. And, you know, I think that that might have slipped Coach Johnson's mind when they were pumping in music. I doubt that he played that one because that's it's a little too harsh, don't you think? <laughs> it's, it's a little rough. Um, you know, I was impressed with the jungle's coordination tonight with that chant at times. And it took me a minute to realize what they were saying. We as a student body, and I'm saying we because I've been a part of it and you have as well, obviously. Uh, so we still kind of have that allegiance to it and experience what it's like. We've always been raucous. We've always been loud and known for our passion, but we've never been on the level of some of these other student van bases where we'll get the chants all synchronized or do other things synchronized. Tonight was a different story. They were just on their A game, just laying into Avery Johnson, his son, the rest of the team tonight. And whether it was because mainly of Auburn's great play or because of the home court atmosphere, Alabama just could not get their feet under them fully for this game, which is why this game was just so sad looking at times because Auburn kind of had their way with them in every area. Let's talk about the defense aspect because to me, and I wrote about this in uh, my article, Three Point Thoughts, this is the reason that the Tigers won this game, not because of the offense. The defense in this game truly set up the offense, and I, I that's what I think about it. I don't know if you share that same opinion. Oh, I, I think I would agree with that. Um, you know, Auburn did get a little sloppy on the offensive side committing 13 turnovers, but defensively they caused 21. And with that, had 30 points off turnovers. Um, Auburn had 18 fast break points as well. So Auburn was playing at the tempo that we know them to play at. This was such a fast team. And I think the commentators even mentioned multiple times that Auburn got up and down the court in under five seconds at times. There were uh, there was one play in particular where probably not even that came off the clock. A, you know, a deep pass to to Bryce Brown on the wing shoots a three, makes it, and that's it. I mean, these were some really quick trips down the court, and you know that's got to be kind of tiring and uh, defeating for an opponent to to rush down and then just have to get right back. You know, it's that's 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 a lot. I think it's funny that you bring up the commentators because I think we all sighed a little bit when we heard who was going to be on this call. Not to say that she's not great, but, you know, Beth Moens gets us a little bit of flack from people uh, for the way she likes to enunciate things, which I thought was she did a decent job. I thought tonight and only caught myself a few times imitating the way she says out of bounds and things like that. But (laughs) overall, Beth Moens and Jimmy Dykes, I enjoyed their commentary tonight, especially the way Jimmy Dykes laid out the game plan for both teams and said, this is how either team can win the game. If Alabama gets this certain amount of points in the paint, they win. If Auburn gets this certain amount of points outside the arc, they win. And the simple math of it is, Auburn did, Alabama didn't. And the reason is because of what you just talked about. Under five seconds at times getting down the floor to score. When you're a team the size of Alabama, you can't catch up with that. You can't commit bodies so far deep into the paint and inside the arc that they can't get back and try to stop this Auburn team. Thus why they never established themselves. And thus why I think Auburn was so dominant on defense. I'm just, I was pleased so much with their play tonight in that aspect. Absolutely. And I think it goes a little bit beyond that. This is a really tall and physical uh, Alabama team down low and Auburn still managed to out rebound them. I mean, that's, that's kind of impressive in itself when, 
when you're missing Austin Wiley and you're relying on, let's be honest, undersized Bidman in Anthony McMore and Horace Spencer, and they're going up against guys like Dante Hall and pulling down these rebounds, I mean, that's just, it's crazy that Auburn was able to do this. And a lot of the rebounds that Auburn grabbed were just defeating in the drive. They were like drive ender interceptions in a football game. You're able to drive all the way down and, and you know, you throw a pick in the end zone <clears throat> and Bama had some good possessions that they weren't able to capitalize on because of things like that. And that, that really kept Alabama out of this for much of this game. We talked a little bit out in our preview about, we thought the matchup to watch was going to be Horace Spencer and Anthony McLemore versus Dante Hall. And only eight points. Now, he did get 10 rebounds, so his presence was felt there down there, at least in that aspect. But overall, very quiet game for Hall. And then they have so many other hard hitters on their team that can go off at any point. Riley Norris, where was he at tonight? Avery Johnson Jr., daddy's boy, can have a moment every once in a while. John Petty does what John Petty does. He just scores the most for Alabama. I mean, we knew that. I mean, he's just a great shooting guard for them, even though he comes off the bench. So... This team, and I, you know, I'm giving credit where credit is due, like we always do. This team's a very talented team. They just don't have it together to consistently put together wins against teams that are should be of Auburn's caliber. Caliber. Now Auburn doesn't always live up to that caliber at times this season, but when they are on, you just see exactly what happens. They can dismantle a team from any aspect, especially the defense. Offensively tonight. Let's talk about some stats, Clint, that are going to make you very happy. 52% from the field. If that wasn't enough, 59, I said that again, 59% from three-point land. And then oh so close to my mark of perfection, 79% from the free throw line. Only 14 attempts, though. I think I'll take that. Not too much to be disappointed with offensively from us, at least I think. No, not at all. And, and I like looking at the, the free throw numbers. You know, 13 of 18 for Bama, 11 of 14 for Auburn there weren't that many free throws. And I think there really only were towards the end of the game because they, the officiating really started calling it pretty tightly towards the end. And, you know, there were 18 fouls on Auburn, 16 on Alabama. I don't even know if it was that close going into the last five minutes of the game. So, you know, this was a game where the charity stripe was not needed. And Auburn had just put this game so far out of reach that there was no point. And I thought Auburn did a really good job of eventually driving to the basket and drawing fouls. When when Bama was up, I think, 6-1, to 7-1 to one kind of thing early in the game, Auburn couldn't get a bucket. Auburn, Auburn couldn't get a shot off. And then you see Jared Harper drive it to the basket, draw a foul. You see Samir Doughty drive it to the basket, get a foul. It really got Alabama out of sync. And it's like, all right, Auburn's going to slow this one down for just a little bit. And then we're going to run away with it. Absolutely. And I think that some of these players that you've already mentioned had outstanding games, whether it be Samir Doughty, obviously Bryce Brown, Jared Harper. But let's give credit where credit is due. He may not have the best stat line, (laughs) but man, the heart and soul, the sixth man award, my favorite player on this team, Agent Zero himself, Mr. Horace Spencer. If it wasn't enough to see a man of his size go down the lane from outside the arc for a nice drive and score. It wasn't enough to see him get some steals, but when he blocked that man's shot at the goal, I, you know, 
there there are moments in my life where I, I've I've never been happy. I need to stop right there. I'm gonna get myself in trouble. I I, I was at a loss for words when he blocked that man's shot. I I love Horace Spencer. I love you, man. Just thank you, <laughs> thank you so much. I think we both had the same reaction when that happened, and we both just jumped out of our seat and nearly through the roof. Just Horace was not giving anything up on his watch, and he was sending that ball back to where it came from. And, and if only I think Chuma was down there with him and committed the foul after that, but <clears throat> Bama almost came away with just a blocked shot in the face and nothing more. But, you know, to have that coupled with Horace going coast to coast with a beautiful layup on the other end was spectacular. And Horace was diving on the ground, rolling on the ground for two or three loose balls and coming away with it. Those are plays that Horace does not win many times. And he won them multiple times tonight. And just the effort that number zero has been giving this team this season is just beyond so much fun to watch. (laughs) And I think we've seen Horace really grow up over his four years at Auburn. I don't know if there's a bigger jump than from last year to this year at this point. And no. and it's it's a lot of seniority and it's a lot of um experience and humbleness to know that Horace Spencer's not gonna go out there and get a double double. He's not even gonna score six points. He scored four and he got five rebounds tonight. But he's gonna impact this game. And don't you dare tell him he won't. Or he'll shoot that ball right back in your face. Oh, he had an impact, all right. He made an impact, an impression, really, into that ball he blocked down there. I mean, thank you so much again, Horace Spencer, for who you are. This is it's it's everything I wanted your senior season to be and more. Only thing better is if we end up doing a little bit of a a further dance than we did last year. And so hopefully that'll amount to something there. We were having a lot of fun tonight in the Facebook group Auburn Tigers discussions, which acts as our forum. A lot of fun, you can imagine, with this type of game in there. Some comments out of there. Uh, Wendy Moore Jowers, who was having a lot of fun at a lot of people's expense, whether it be Beth Moens, uh, other players for Alabama. But she got a real good kick, and I think we all did, of Bruce Pearl putting in the walk-ons at uh, (laughs) 0.1 seconds left in the game. I mean, is there really even time to do anything except turn around? You know, I was surprised that Bruce waited to put them in because you'll see him often just call a running timeout but you know let me stop the clock we'll change out players and then just don't it's not a real timeout let's just do it for the sake of it and he had a chance with you know right at a minute to do that and he didn't do it so I was really curious as to why he did it that way and then just um, I think it was actually a shot clock violation at the very end of the game and that was the only way that those guys were getting on the court, and you know they they did a really good shot showing these guys sitting there right at the scores table, and Cole Blattstock is still cheering on this team. He's finally getting a chance to come in against Alabama. He doesn't get much playing time, and he's cheering on his team, knowing that he's probably not going to get in. And then they get in with you know a tenth of a second on the clock, and then they show Will McCoy pumping up the crowd. It doesn't matter that they're not even going to make it on the stat sheet. These guys made an impact off the court. They know that they deserve a chance to get on there, and they're going to do something about it. You know, putting the scrubs in is always an insult, and they weren't going to let Bama know or forget that they made it on there. (laughs) 
<laughs> I would definitely take that opportunity to do so. Uh, I almost took it the reverse way that they wanted to leave the starters in to just kind of continue to rub it in Alabama's face that, hey, we can still score on you pretty well right now. But, you know, I think you could take that either way. But it's nice to see them see the floor and not just see the floor for time, but see them in unison with their teammates, like you said, whether it's Will McCoy pumping up the crowd, Cole Black start cheering for his teammates, seeing this team unified during what's been a rough stretch for them is exactly what this team and this fan base needed to have tonight. Last little comment from our Facebook group from a name we're pretty familiar with, Austin Gray Scott, and I think he epitomizes this game for us tonight. He said, Bruce's Auburn teams just love when Bama comes to town. They're always on fire and ready. It's fun to see players that want it and when it translate onto the hardwood, these players understand this is not just a game. This is whether you want to call it the Iron Bowl of basketball or what the Iron Bowl. I don't care. Whatever you want to call it, it just matters more than anything else. And I love the way they care about this game. Absolutely, and and there, there's been some talk this week about what the SEC can do to make these kind of games so much more important. Because, I mean, it's just a random game somewhere between January and the beginning of March. You know, it's not the last weekend of the regular season. It's not the weekend of or before Thanksgiving like it is for football. You know when the Iron Bowl is. You may not know when Auburn and Alabama meet on the hardwood. And... I, I I really like the idea of bookending the SEC schedule. Start January and end the rest of the regular season with a rivalry game. You've got all the teams. You play them, most of them twice. Make it happen. I'm down for that. I, I know think a lot of people you'll, would. You'll lose the kind of games like what Auburn's got this year with ending with Tennessee. Possibly, you know, this was supposed to be the game to decide the SEC regular season championship. Probably won't this year. But, you know, if things go south and one team has a really bad year, now it's just another random game to end the season. Make it something count. I'm down for that. I would be too, and I, I don't think it takes away from the type of snare that could have been for Auburn and Tennessee this year. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot to get to by the end of the season. It doesn't look like it's going to happen to make it that kind of an impact on the SEC regular season. But think about the importance of a rivalry game, but an, a rivalry game that could, especially when you book in that last game of the season, that could mean something so much more. It is something that I really think they should consider, and I hope they will uh, down the line. Now, Clint, I know that we've had fun discussing this game, and it's not often that we're this giddy on the Inside the Jungle podcast, but let, let's pack this one up. Let's move on. Enjoy it. For what it was and we'll look back on it fondly but we still have many more sec games left to play including the one this tuesday the fifth at 9 p.m eastern time on espn will be taking on the florida gators at home again in auburn arena which i think is going to be crucial the gators come in at 12 and 9 on the air four and four so they share a similar sec record with auburn and i think that's going to be the storyline for this game is that two teams that have had very similar results this season playing tough schedules with some things to show for but maybe not as much as they had hoped for i think it's going to be a, a very great game for a very late game on tuesday evening yeah not looking forward to that nine o'clock start um man eastern time zone sucks <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I think you're right, but this is going to be a very good game for Auburn to catch at home. Auburn and Florida have not really had the best history, at least for Auburn, over the past couple of years, and it seems like we always catch Florida in Gainesville while they're on an upswing. And they're just coming off of a, you know, a nine-point loss to Kentucky, and they really only have one good win this year, and it's an overtime victory against Ole Miss, who we know is on the upswing, and they're playing really well. Um, you know, they lost to Florida State, who was ranked at the time. They've lost to Butler, who is not really that great this year. And they lost to Oklahoma, who is terrible this season. Um, a four-point loss to Michigan State is not a bad one. Uh, losses to South Carolina, Tennessee, Mississippi State, and Kentucky, again, aren't bad. But you lose to a not-great TCU team in uh, the SEC Bid 12 Challenge. I mean, it's, this is another weird team to try and judge. And, you know, they average just under 70 points a game. Auburn averages nearly 85. So I think, again, this is going to be a lot of tempo uh, to decide who wins this game. Auburn's definitely going to want to run hot and fast. And if they can drop some shots like they did tonight against Alabama, Florida might not have a chance. I don't know if they're they're set up to, to fight Auburn like this. I'm interested that you didn't call out their West Virginia win, though. Do you give them a lot of credit for that, or is that kind of one of those teams you're not convinced about yet? West Virginia's really not that great this year. They're 10-12 and 12 overall, and... I'm just they're actually at the bottom of the big 12 so no I don't I don't give them credit for that one I don't know what it is West Virginia to me always feels like no matter what their record is they find ways to to beat really good teams so that's, well, that's why Bob Huggins that's true. And, and yeah you're right but they're still not good this year <laughs> I mean that's true I mean you look at just on paper you can make that case that we really can't throw that win in there and so I agree with you then Ole Miss is really their signature win on the year you know, some of their close losses that you've mentioned are, are on the impressive upswing, but it's just not enough to be truly scared of a Florida team that's coming into Auburn Arena with the momentum that they're riding. You can also make the case that maybe Auburn's going to have a little bit of an emotional letdown after such an amazing game. However, I don't think that's the case. The Tigers really, I think they're, quite frankly, should, should I use this? They're pissed off about the way that they performed in SEC play, and I think they're ready, to, especially at home, to make their mark um, on, on teams like this, especially a Florida team that perception-wise, when you beat them, just because of the, how good they've been in recent history and throughout most of their program's history, I think it's one of those wins that you really just want to have on your resume because it's a good eye test for you going into uh, postseason play when teams are really looking at who you've who you've beaten and who you haven't. Uh, so no, I, I agree with that entirely, and I think that it kind of falls in line with the the UConn and Oklahoma wins that Auburn had two years ago and beaten a really bad UConn team at home last year. Um, yeah, these Florida is a really good basketball name, as in the last two decades or so, but this is not a typical Florida team. But still, don't don't take that lightly. This Florida team at home just knocked off a really good Ole Miss team. And they they could go off at any point. But I still don't think that they're you know they're not they're not the best team in the league 
they're going to struggle much of the rest of the season, and you just can't afford to let them start a run against Auburn. I mean, <clears throat> they travel to Auburn on Tuesday, and then Saturday they travel to the current number one team in Tennessee, yep. who I think they haven't lost a game since November. And, <clears throat> you know, it's it's just crazy. The Tennessee team is really good. So if they get hot against Auburn, they have a chance against Tennessee. But if they had a struggling game against Auburn, I don't think they have any chance to even sniff a win against Tennessee. Well, they could get caught looking ahead to that game because everyone wants to beat the number one team. Now, granted, Tennessee's got to play between now and then as well, but you definitely have that marked on your calendar, especially the rivalry that is between Tennessee and Florida throughout all of sports. So I think they may get caught looking ahead. The big thing for me, thinking about this game, is this win would in essence, get us out of that middle tier and back up where we belong in the discussion with the Tennessees, the Kentuckys, and right now the LSUs and the South Carolinas. There is a big pileup at 4-4 four and four in conference play right now, which includes us in Florida, and I'd like to see us at home take the steps forward to get out of that mid-tier. We'll see if the Tigers are able to do that at home. If you're able to go and check them out, I definitely would because I think it's going to be another fun game, albeit a very late game. That's all we have for you on this edition. Before we get out of here, let's give our contact information. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at TigerEye24. Where can they find you? You can follow me on Twitter at ClintAU24 and check out my website, the Auburn Uniform Database at AuburnUniforms.com where come Monday, part two of a really long and an awesome series is set to release. Make sure you guys go check that out because Clint works really hard on it. And make sure you come over to our Facebook group, Auburn Tigers Discussions, and be part of many discussions there, but as well as our post, our, our game threads for Auburn basketball. That's all for this edition, but until we talk to you again, War Eagle. War Eagle. Before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you? <laughs>